Good morning. Thank you so much, choir. Uh, beautiful song. Um, and just uh, very appropriate, I guess, uh, for the message today. For those of you, uh, again, that may not know who I am, as always, Ryan Long uh, gave me a, a wonderful introduction, um, as he always does. But my name is Jeremiah Quinones, um, and I've been attending uh, West Bowls since 1993, 20 years now. Uh, I currently, actually, 15 of those years I spent working here uh, with the youth. I've done junior church, I've done college. Um, I was kind of the one man band uh, throughout different parts, but um, will always love my time here. Uh, currently, I am a teacher at Bear Creek High School. Uh, I teach uh, ESL, so I get students from all over the world. Love my job, love it, because um, every day I get to. Uh, to work with young people and uh, just really get to share my life with them through what I teach. Um, so I teach them English and uh, really uh, I, I become like a second parent to many of them because they've come, many of them have come without their families and are, are here trying to figure out how to just live life here. So uh, that's what I currently do. Uh, it's, it's been a while since I've been up here. Uh, it's again taking some getting used to. Uh, to be back up here again. Uh, getting used to the, the little headset right here. I kind of feel like when I wear this, I have to have some kind of choreography uh, with my sermon here. Uh, but the first time I was thinking, and I was actually telling the first service, that uh, the first sermon I ever gave at this church uh, was when I was 18 or 19 years old. And it, uh, this church wasn't even here, uh, this building. Uh, we were actually in the smaller building next door. And there were a group of four of us that were speaking on that day. And uh, we were working with a, a legend, Pastor Bob McPherson, if any of you have ever heard of him. He used to be the pastor over at Riverside Baptist Church, uh, absolute legend, and honored to work with him. But I remember we were downstairs and we were kind of, he made us run through everything with him. He was just kind of teaching us how to teach. And as I was going through my lesson, I was on a roll. Uh, I was feeling good about myself. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of my lesson, a bowling pin just flies right by my head. And I, I stop, and I'm startled, and he looks at me, he's like, why'd you stop? And I was like, because there was a bowling pin that just went by my head. And he's like, are you going to stop in the sermon if there's distractions? And I was like, if there's a bowling pin going by my head, I'm going to probably stop. Uh, so, yeah, he, uh, he definitely had his way of teaching and instructing, and I am very thankful for, um, obviously, the instruction that he gave me. Um, he has played a key role in my faith. Um, and just in my being a teacher um, up here um, today. Uh, as I said, I came to West Bowles Community Church in 1993. I moved my sophomore year, I moved to Littleton, Colorado, uh, out here, um, and went to Chatfield High School. And as you can imagine, as a sophomore, I was not very happy. Uh, my life was in Aurora. My dad worked out here, and so he moved us all out here, and it was a tough adjustment for me. Uh, I did not like it at all because I uh, had, again, my friends out there, and I had to uproot everything. Well, we started uh, attending West Bowles Community Church almost immediately because my parents knew some of the families that were attending here. And, uh, again, I was just really not very enthusiastic about uh, coming here and about being a, a part of this because uh, part of my life was in Aurora. Was I was living a certain lifestyle, and I was kind of getting into the wrong things. And I wanted to continue that lifestyle. I was upset that my parents were disrupting that. But we know, uh, all of us know this, that when God, he pursues us, 
And when he comes after us and when he wants us, there is no place you can run and hide. There's no distance that you can go where he's not going to find you and he's not going to get you. And I honestly believe, um, as we're going to look at the story of the Exodus today, that God was, that was my exodus. God was pulling me out of a life of sin and slavery, and he brought me into a new life. And I am so thankful for what he did for me um, and, and the fact that he brought me out here. He rescued me, uh, plain and simple. Uh, he intervened in my life. And if he had he not intervened, I would be a mess right now. There's no saying where I would be. Um, he completely turned me around, uh, both inwardly and outwardly. And so I'm very thankful the few months that I started attending here, uh, God transformed me throughout. Uh, my conversion was not one of those moments that a lot of people have where it just changes in an instant. God worked on me throughout the course of a few months. Um, I started coming here, and God just filled my life with so many different things that I'd never experienced before. Um, his moving me out here was a defining moment in my life. But I will say that the last 20 years that he's had me out here, he has filled my life up with so many little defining moments. And I know that as you're sitting out there, you could probably look back on your life and your spiritual life and just say, you can point to specific moments and just say, those were defining moments in my life. And I will always remember those moments in my life. We all have those. I became more involved in the youth group. Um, I transformed into, uh, I, from the shy, uncertain kid, uh, insecure kid, into someone who is confident and is now speaking in front of you today. I still remember my first trip. I sat on the train. I sat by myself. I was terrified. And all I remember is I, I remember looking at Brett Gothier and thinking, I wish I could be as cool as that guy. Uh, I still think that today, which is why uh, half my wardrobe, you know, comes from Brett. Uh, just trying to be like him. So I was very shy, um, just very intimidated, um, and God just slowly changed me. There were specific moments, and I'm going to share with you, um, that God put into my life, I think, that transformed me. Uh, soon after I joined the youth group, uh, Dave McPherson asked if I would uh, just grab a guitar. We didn't have any worship in the group at the time, so I was like, sure, I'll grab it. Uh, and I started to learn how to play and, and, and never grew up singing. And so I started to sing, and uh, Craig Nason, a lot of you know Craig, he helped me out a lot. Uh, he was a musician then. And I remember one story, uh, we were feeling, both feeling very confident. Uh, I had been playing for a few months, and of course I was a rock star. And so there was this competition just down the road, and it was a music competition, and there was a recording uh, prize attached to that. So Craig and I, we, we were like, let's just try this thing out, I think we can win this thing. And so we went down there, we sang a song that many of you are familiar with, a song called El Shaddai, um, practiced it a, a couple times, got up there and sang, and honestly, when we were done, we both thought that we were amazing. Uh, and at that age, you just, you think you're, you're incredible. But when we went down to the judge's table, they handed us a slip of paper, they didn't even talk to us, they just handed us a slip of paper, and on that paper, I kid you not, it was like Simon Cowell wrote this for us. He said, you might want to reconsider uh, your future in music because you're not very good at it. Uh, it. The words were very harsh. And I knew at that moment um, that I regretted ever asking Craig to come join me because it was probably his fault. <laughs> so it, uh, it was kind of an eye-opening thing. And the truth is that they were right. At that time, we were not very good. I remember we met in the church house for youth group, and it was a long room, and there were three of us that played guitar and we sang, and Craig was actually the, the best one out of all of us. 
And we would, I come to find out later that as we sang, we were all on three different parts of the song. We were all spread out. Um, I was probably on a different song at the time. But it was, it was just awesome because God used that time. And, and people still sang uh, and, and joined us in, in worship. And I'm so thankful that God put that into my life because music has transformed me. I remember leading my first Bible study. Again, uh, Dave asked me if I would ever be interested in just teaching, and I was terrified, but I said, sure, don't know why. But we went through the book of Matthew, and after I was finished, I felt so empowered, so confident, um, even though my lesson probably made, probably didn't make any sense. Um, but God used me, and he continued to work in me. There are other things that I remember. I remember the countless trips, the bus rides, the train rides, talking with people. Um, God used uh, a lot of people, and God transformed so many people. Uh, I specifically remember LaVita, a camp that we would go to, and there were certain nights that we had where we'd sing worship together, and we'd talk, and everybody would share their lives. And it was just, there was just a time of brokenness and a time of, of people just finding life and us getting through life together. I remember the more tragic events and probably the biggest event that our church went through, and that was Columbine High School. Um, and although it was not a great time in our community, a very sorrowful time, uh, I can say that I've never seen God use an event and use young people like he did during that time. He took a, a tragic event and he brought redemption for a lot of people. And even to this day, I have Cassie Bernal books in my room. I just leave them sitting there in my classroom and multitudes of my students just grab them and they love reading them. Her life still continues to change people. Um, so it's awesome. I do have to say that probably one of the most devastating events uh, in my spiritual life this is hard to share, but uh, it was probably the time that Ryan Long came over and asked if he could take my sister to homecoming. <laughs> that was pretty tough. He did the whole high school thing where he wrote a little note and, you know, will you go to homecoming with me? Check yes, no, or maybe. I tried to convince her it was a bad idea, but she still went ahead with it, but almost left the faith then. Um, but there are many events. The point I'm trying to make is there are so many things in my history here at West Bowles Community Church that I can point to and say, that made me who I am today. And I always point back to the last 20 years of my life here uh, because those 20 years define who I am. They define what I do and why I do what I do. I had a student the other day, uh, we were we're writing an essay, and so we were brainstorming topics. And I always like to kind of model uh, the whole writing process. And so I was writing some of my topics up on the board, just experiences from my life that I had been through, because um, they're writing a thought journey. And so as I was sharing them, I always give students a chance to ask me any questions about myself uh, or my life. And this one girl at the end, after we had talked a little bit, raised her hand and she said, Mr. Quinones, did something happen to you that you know, made you want to help people? And as a teacher inside, I'm like, yes, you know, because I love those questions. I love it when I get a chance to share who I am. And although I have to be very respectful about what I say in school, her and I talked later and I said, I went through an experience not too different from your own. She wrote a paper earlier in the semester where she shared about how God just changed her life. She went to a church camp and just was broken and, and, and was transformed. And I said, I, I went through the same thing. God completely changed me into a new person. And all I want to do is, is give. I want to love people. That's why I am here today. That's why I teach that's why I do everything that I do. I always point back to those times, but those times in my life, and you may, you probably agree with this, 
That as we look back on those moments in our life, they almost at times become like a lighthouse or a beacon to us. Because we know that life gets hard and the faith is tough to live. And so when I go through those tough times in life, I always look back at what God has done in my life because they remind me that God is faithful. Okay, even when he doesn't seem like he's there, he is. And those moments remind me of that. Remembering my past, remembering God's history is very essential to my life, very important to me. And as we're going to find out today, it's very important to God as well. He's always asking us to remember. Before we do that, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you just humbled. And uh, as you know, we just open up your word. As we look at your history, Lord, open our ears now. There is not a word that you did not say that is, not, that is in the Bible that, that does not have strong meaning for us in our lives. May we not take this lightly. But we know that this has been passed on from generation to generation so that we can learn. And may today we learn that you are a faithful God, that you are with us always, even when things don't always seem great in our lives. Be with us during this time. We pray this in your name. Amen. So I will say that as I share today, um, I can't promise that it will be profound or deep, but I will say that for those of you that know me, I love to share from my heart. Um, and I love to take kind of things that I see and hopefully just apply um, God's word to that. And, and I just ask that you give me that chance to do that today. I'm going to open up with a verse in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8. And you have to kind of bear with me as we go through this. I'm going to jump around. I've been studying through the Old Testament and honestly, I feel like God has just opened my eyes to, to so many different things. I, I've kind of read through the Bible, you know, a few times. And, and sometimes as you open it back up, you feel kind of like a little kid again. And that's, as, as God is showing me new things, I, I, that's kind of how I feel. Like I'm learning all over again. But we're going to open up with a Deuteronomy chapter 8. And this goes through the story of the Exodus, God leading his people out of Egypt. And he's establishing them as a nation. And the whole time he's with them, he is constantly reminding them to remember the things that happen. Here's what he says in, in chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you, testing you to prove your character, and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God or from the mouth of the Lord. Later on in that chapter, he continues on. In verse 12 through 14, he says, For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. So Moses is getting ready to lay out God's expectations. He's ready to share with them, here's who God wants you to be as a people. And he's about to lead you into the land to set this all up. But on this journey to the new land, God continually asked Israel to look back. And through Moses, he says, remember, remember the story of when you came out of Egypt. And we're going to see that today. And here he's reminding them. 
Not only did I lead you out, but I, I carried you through the desert. I fed you day by day so that I could teach you, so that you could learn about me and how much I love you and I care for you. So God continues to, to teach them and to remind them. It goes on like this through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. God continuously turns the people's attention back to what happened, reminding them, making references about Egypt. He even gives them special days. As God was setting up his laws with them, he gave them special laws to help them remember. He gave them days to observe so that they, again, would remember. He's very intent on this. So as I was studying this, this kind of kept coming up to me. And I thought to myself, why is God so intent on helping people remember this? Why does he want us to remember so badly? I think the answer is obvious if we really take time to look at it. And the answer is, is that we as human beings, we are terrible at remembering. We are an absent-minded people. We have a hard time. And I know there are a lot of parents out there nudging their kids and saying, yeah, you better listen to this. Uh, I'm a parent, I know. It seems like most days, every day, it's just you're reminding your kids of what they need to do. You know, feed the dog, take out the trash, you know, clean your room. And I find that oftentimes when I, I get on my own kids for not remembering, have you ever had those moments in your life when, when you're, you're teaching someone else something and all of a sudden it, it kind of just dawns on you, you're like, God, am I like this? Maybe I am. How much do I forget what you tried to tell me? The things that you have put into my life to make my life better. So we struggle with remembering. And it's not the remembering that is the full problem. It's what happens when we don't remember, when we forget. It's the consequences of the repercussions that come. And there are many, but I'm just going to try and go through three of these quickly. Let me read the first one. When we fail to remember our history or when we fail to look back at times, we become disconnected from the context of what we're doing. Let me share that again. When we fail to remember our history or to look back, we become disconnected from the context of what we're doing. And we can put that in the affirmative as well as in saying that when we do remember, we stay connected to why we're here. Let me illustrate. When I was a child, I dreaded coming to church. I did. I, I just, I despised coming. When I woke up on Sunday mornings, there were two things I listened for. If I heard footsteps coming down the hallway, my stomach sank because I knew my mom's coming to wake us up. We're going to church. Or if I heard her getting ready in the next room, I knew it. And I just didn't like coming. And you want to know why is because I never knew why I was coming to church. There was never any context for me. The same thing was with the Bible. I received a Bible in junior high, um, and that Bible sat on my bookshelf. There were times that I tried to read it, but it was a struggle for me because I never figured out why it was so important. Nobody ever explained to me why it was so meaningful, why we needed it. And the same thing came down to my relationship with God. I wanted nothing to do with God in junior high. And you want to know why? Because I knew nothing about him. I never knew that he wanted to rescue me or that he had sent his son to die for me. And when you don't know these things, the meaning kind of slips away from us. I knew nothing of the context. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 20, here's again what Moses says. He gives this instruction. In the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us to obey? 
Then you must tell them, we were, in Pharaoh, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give us this land he had sworn to give our ancestors. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done to this day. So there Moses is giving context to why he is sharing God's laws with them. Uh, as a family, I am really kind of have made this my goal, and my wife has as well, that we are trying to share with our kids just these stories so that they understand. I, I really want my kids to understand everything that we do, why we come to church, why we read the Bible. I want them to grow up knowing these things. So what does Moses tell us we need to do? He says, look back. Understand that if they have questions... If they want to know why we do all these things, point backwards and say it's because we were slaves and God delivered us. He reached in with his mighty hand and his outstretched arm and he pulled us out. He pulled us out and gave us life, made us new people. Now I know a lot of times we've heard this story, we're familiar with it, the exodus. But I try to tell my kids, this is our story. Through Christ, God has reached out to us and he has delivered us. He has taken us out of death and delivered us into life. This is our story. He has made us our own, or his own. And let me share you with, uh, this with you. This is something I wrote in my notes. This is our story. And once we understand and are able to recall this story, then we begin to understand why we don't just go to church, but why we are called the church, to be the church. We begin to understand why we don't just read the Bible, but like bread, we depend on it every day for sustenance. We understand why we don't just lift up the occasional prayer or the worship song, but our lives become prayers. Our lives become worship to God. We don't just learn about Christ, but we become Christ-like. Ultimately, we understand that we wake up every morning and we walk out the door and we share love with people for the very reason that the book of 1 John tells us, because God first loved us. That is the context behind what we do here. That is the reason we pick up our Bibles. That is the reason why we attend church and we fellowship with one another. It breaks my heart. It really does. And it's something that I don't understand. Even in my own life, it's been a struggle at times to read and to stay on it. But I don't understand how we think we can live this Christian life without ever picking up our Bible. I coach football. And for a kid to come out on the field and never have to, to have read the playbook completely lost. I had a lot of kids that did that and thought that they could survive like that. Or how we think we could survive the Christian life without fellowship, without encouragement, without coming together and meeting. Because when we lose sight of these things, the context of why we do these things, it's in these times I know in my life that my faith becomes dry. It becomes forced. It becomes something I do because that's what I've always done on Sunday mornings and that's what I'll continue to do. It's in those times that we begin to depend on other people to lift us up and to fuel our spiritual lives. But I promise, if we come together as individuals and we say, let us remember the context of why we do what we do, God will do incredible things in our lives. He will. The Bible becomes alive to us. And it becomes our fuel. The second thing is this, when we fail to look back and remember, 
we kind of compromise our identity. And again, we can say that in the positive way. When we are connected with our history, with why we're doing what we're doing, then we maintain our identity. In Exodus chapter 19, it says this, You have seen that I, uh, what I did to the Egyptians. This is verse 4 through 6. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you, uh, brought you to myself. Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you, uh, you must give to the people of Israel. In Leviticus 20, 26, he says this, You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. I love these verses. I love it. See, when God delivered uh, the Israelites out of Egypt, his intention was never just to deliver them and say, okay, you guys are free. Just live the way you want. I'm out of here now. No, he had a plan. And God still has a plan. And this should just make our hearts leap with joy that God, he treasures us. He wants to make us his possession. That he wants us to lead the way and show the world that this is what, it li- what it's like to live underneath God. To follow his ways. To live in his kingdom. He called us his possession. He called us to be the light of the world. To be an example. You know, in Deut- Deuteronomy, I'm not going to um, read this verse But I love it because God says, you know what God promised Israel? He said, if you live my decrees and the world sees this, he said, other nations will look upon you and they will see your wisdom and they will ask themselves, who is this God that they serve? Where do they get this wisdom? Who is this God that is so close to them, that loves them? Man, as I read that, I think this is what the church should be. As the world looks upon the church, this is what it should be. They should say, who is this God that they worship? The tragedy of the Old Testament, though, that we see is that Israel continuously let her eyes wander, let her faithfulness kind of wander. God specifically told these people when they came out, as you move into this new land, do not even participate in what these other countries are doing. Don't take any of their beliefs. Don't get involved because the moment you do, you are going to want to be like them and you are going to lose your identity. He said, remember, remember what happened in Egypt and how I took you out and why I took you out. But we know that Israel didn't always remember and they compromised their identity. They sacrificed it. There were times that they were a jewel, but there were other times that God compared them to a prostitute, saying, you have been unfaithful to me. And sometimes it's frustrating when you read the Old Testament and you're like, why couldn't they just get it together? Why couldn't they figure this out? They had seen so many things. But then as I look thousands of years later at times in our own lives and in my own life, I become that same way. I let my eyes wander. And when Christ calls me to separate myself from the world, I find that I want to assimilate to the world. And that I'm like, kind of like a whip, the end of a whip that I just... You know, as a church or, or as an individual, we kind of just go wherever culture tells us to go. But if we stick with God, if we remember where we came from as a church and as a people, God will help us maintain our identity to be the light. Number three is this. When we fail to remember, it's in these times that we lose faith 
or we begin to question God's faithfulness. And on the opposite end, when we stay connected with who we are, and then we stay connected with God's faithfulness. One last story that I'm going to share with you, and then I'll kind of bring this all together, close this out and bring this together. In Numbers chapter 13 and 14, um, and also in Deuteronomy chapter 1, is, is a story um, that we read when God is bringing his people down the home stretch. He has them right on the outskirts of their new land, their new home. And he has promised them, even, you know, right before this, right before they arrived there, he promised them. He said, I'm about to lead you into this new land. Do not be afraid. Don't fear because I'm going to lead the way and I'm going to make it happen. Well, Israel sent out some spies and they went to go check out the land. And when they came back, the spies reported and they said to Moses, they said, you know what, this land that, you, that God is giving us, it is wonderful. It is flowing with milk and honey. It's incredible. Um, but there's a problem. The people that are in this land, they're like giants. And the walls are high. There's no way that we're going to overcome these people. And sure enough, a few of these spies, they go into the community. And we know when that seed of doubt enters in to, the, to our hearts or at times even into the church, it can spread like wildfire. And so these people went into the community and they started sharing with other people, there is no way that we're going to be able to enter this land. And people started to grumble, they started to complain, and they started to question. And they said, surely God must have brought us out here to die. And they turned on God. Moses, hearing this, he kind of intervenes, and he says this. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 29 through 31. He said, but I said to you, don't be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you travel through the wilderness just as a father cares for his child now he has brought you to this place those are the words of Moses and he speaks openly with the Israelites and says remember we just saw it God let us out we this insignificant nation who were all slaves and had no hope. We were destined to die. God walked us out of perhaps the most powerful nation of this time. Do you not remember that? Surely God will be with us. And as we read those words, we got to think, well, well, perhaps that changed their minds. Not a chance. The cries continued, the complaining, and again they questioned God's faithfulness. And even when Joshua and Caleb, there were two among them that said, we can do this. God is with us. And when they stood before the crowd and they tried to, to pick the crowd up and say, have faith, you know how the crowd responded? They talked about stoning these two men. Everything that God had shown them, they had simply forgotten or they had refused to, to remember. One little problem and quickly they forget. And again, as I read this, it's, it's easy to kind of wag your finger at them and say, shame on you. But how easily I forget. How easily God promises me so many things and how faithful he's been in my life. But when hardship comes, I tend to back out on him. And a lot of times we see this happen even within the community of God when trouble strikes or when we go through trials, you know, chaos sometimes breaks out. Doubt starts to uh, come in. There's, there's grumbling. People want to jump ship. Instead of saying, God has been faithful. Let us stick with him. 
Let me connect this all as I close up here. Uh, let me just explain to you why I'm sharing all of these stories and, and the direction I'm headed um, with all of this. As I said before, I love this church. Um, I will always love West Bowles Community Church. From the day God changed my life, he gave me a love for the church. Um, I am so thankful, and I know many people sitting here, whether, it's your, whether you're new or you've been here for a long time, as, as many of us have, I know many are thankful to be here and for what God has done. But as you guys saw earlier, it's no secret, we're going through a transition as a church. We are. And you know what I've always learned in my years within the church? Transition is never easy. Never has been. Whether it be in the church or in life, our transitions are, are, are difficult. But you know what else I've known is that this is nothing new. The history of God's people shows that there was always transition. God was always moving them and shaking them to get them to where they needed to be. And he's going to still do the same with us. As I sit here and as I, you know, as I think about it, I wish I had kind of a grand answer for how to make things smoother, how to make things easier or more manageable, less uncomfortable at times or less confusing. But I don't. And as I mentioned earlier, I feel like when I was asked to come speak, I, I really prayed and I said, God, you just got to give me the words. And I wrestled with it. And I truly believe that God has asked me to come and at least just encourage. That in this time that I can, that I can come up here and say, you know what, maybe there aren't answers right now, but what we can do is to look back. Let's remember. And when I say that, let's remember what God has done in this church. In the 20 years I've been here, there is no doubt in my mind that God has been at this church. He still is. I see him working. But let's look back even farther within his word and say that God is faithful. He has always been with his people and he has always promised to be with his people. I don't believe that God has led us out here in the desert to die. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't lead us out sometimes to test us to show us what he wants us to be, to transform us. And even at times, the Bible tells us to discipline us. But he does it because he loves us, and it's necessary. As parents, we know that. That's necessary. So we need to maybe look back, and we need to look back, number one, to reestablish our context. For us to become the church that we need to be, we are gravely mistaken, and I've seen this happen in so many churches, and even personally, in my experience within the church, Sometimes as churches, we, bear, we put the responsibility of this transformation on one person or a group of people. That's not how God designed the church. God designed us to be a body. And if we are to be successful as a church, every person must look within their hearts and say, why? Why am I here? Why do I attend every Sunday morning? Why do I pick up my Bible? And maybe as we scratch our heads, and, and, and sometimes in my life I have to do that, but to find the answer, maybe we look back and say, God, here's why we do it, because you rescued us. You loved us first. That's why we do what we do. Second, to rediscover our identity. As we look at ourselves individually and say, I'm going to reestablish my connection, then as a church, we say, God, help us to reestablish our identity as a church. And the crazy thing is, is it's not some puzzle that we have to figure out. From beginning to end, God's word gives us the blueprint of what it means to be the church. It does. He tells us what he wants us to be. 
And we have to take the word of God and we have to say, God, if what we are doing here does not match up with what's happening in the word of God, then help us to change those things because we want to be your light. So hopefully as we go through this time, we can look back and say, God, help us to remember who we are and who you want us to be. And finally, we need to look back to hold firm to God's faithfulness. And we need to do this together in unity. God has been with us, and he promises to always be with us. He said, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he has always promised to be with us and to be faithful. He never promised it would be easy, but he did promise that he would be faithful. And so I challenge us to do that as individuals and as a church, especially myself, because I get, like I said, I love this church, and I'm excited to see what God wants to do with it. And every day, here's why it's important to me, and I hope it's the same for you. Every day I walk to the doors of my school, I encounter so many people that are hungry for truth, that are hungry for love. They need the church. There's not a week that doesn't go by that I don't have a student crying. I mean, there, I had a girl that came to me this past week, and she was just in tears, sharing about what life was like at home. She said her dad turned to her that morning and said, it, had been be- it would have been better if you had not been born. It breaks my heart to hear those things. And her mom criticized her as she walked to the door. She so she's broken. And this is, this is every week. The world needs a church that they can look to and say, there's hope. That's what we want to be. Can we do this together? Let's pray. Lord God, we uh, just thank you so much for your faithfulness. There are so many times that we um, just either refuse to remember where we are stubborn or just where we become absent-minded, Lord. But we just thank you for your patience with us. Lord, we know that you have what's going to happen here under control. And sometimes not knowing makes us anxious. But Father, I just pray that you ease that anxiety just as Joshua and Caleb tried to do with the people and just say, you will lead us through. You'll get us through this because you got your people through Egypt. And all through history, you have delivered your people. Father, may we look at ourselves individually and just say, why are we here? And we know we're here to serve you and to love other people. But help us to become the church you want us to be, the individuals you want us to be. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much.